This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Welcome, everybody. Welcome, all our Torah Anytime viewers. We, today, we are continuing on the ideas that we spoke about previously. So, before we're going to speak about a, a, you know, a bunch of, of fairly interesting, but also fairly... The word I'm not going to use is not great, idiotic religions. Um, because, and you'll soon see why, but you'll see that... There's not much thought process that actually goes into these uh, the problems that we're going to speak about. But before we get to these um, to these uh, fake religions, and again, we're not here to hurt anybody's feelings, make anybody feel bad. You know, it's, it, we're here to search for the truth. And when I entered this search, this uh, um, you know, working on these classes, I didn't enter it in a biased in a biased format, thinking, listen. I am Jewish. I, you know, approve of Judaism. Judaism is the right way to go. There's, everything else is fake and false, and let's disprove everything else. I actually went in with an open mind, saying, "Let's see. Maybe you can enlighten me. Maybe there is something. Maybe there is something that you could say that, oh, maybe there's, you know, you could sell some divinity, some godly sort of formation." But none of them. Uh, and we'll soon see as we go uh, one by one. But before we begin that, today we're going to speak about. Very heavily on a lot of idolatry. So before we even get to those, I want to go through the laws of idolatry through the Rambam. So the Rambam says like this. The Rambam says, number one, you are not allowed to even... By the way, the Rambam brings 52 different mitzvot. 51, I'm sorry, mitzvot. There is two positive commandments and 49 negative commandments all surrounding uh, the, the idolatry, which is a significant chunk on idolatry. We're not going to go through all uh, 51, but we'll touch on some brief ideas that we're going to be speaking about today that will take into effect. Number one, you're not supposed to show any interest in worship of false gods. So it's not to be like, oh, you know, you worship a rat? Please, uh, enlighten me, tell me more. It's not going to be like, I'm not interested, thank you very much, you know, have a good day. This is the halakha for the Jews. The, no, furthermore, you're not allowed to, this is pretty, should be pretty obvious, you're not allowed to bow down to false gods, you're not allowed to make a false, you're not allowed to even make an idol. So let's say you're in the business of woodworking or something like that, you're not allowed to produce these types of idols for sales, you're not even making it for yourself or for a gift. These are also important things that if, you know, somebody is a very, you know, religious, a co-worker who practice, I don't know, some sort of, you know, I don't know, any idolatries, there's so many out there. You should not be making a, uh, you know, a Hinduism. You should not be making an idol based on the idol, you should not give them as a present even uh, this type of, of worship. We're not, we're staying as far away as possible from these things. Even, you're not allowed to even make decorations for the images of these idols. Also, you're not allowed to benefit from these false gods, which is what we spoke about Last week, I believe it was, um, where you have, yeah, we spoke about Hinduism. Last week, we spoke about there, there are people that they worship a certain, a certain god, and part of the worship is to shave their head. And they take their, their hair, and they donate it to the, to the, uh, whatever, to the idol. That idol, you know, priest then take that and sell it in the back, you know, in the back end. And they make a lot of money from it, but those hairs, you're not allowed to have any benefit from it whatsoever. The, you're not allowed to also have any benefit from any ornaments that were adorned in any of these false gods. And then the Rambam goes on to put a lot of, you know, halakhot, a lot of laws on a certain idea that you don't think has any relation to idolatry, and that is black magic. There's a lot of stuff that Rambam puts, the laws of forbidden black magic, forbidden divination, forbidding to cast spells, you're not allowed to ask the dead, you're not allowed to, uh, you know, try to seek to the dead, either through seance or other means, or to practice sorcery, all those prohibitions actually lie under idolatry. And the question is why? Why did he put it specifically under idolatry? When we're going to discover what we're going to learn today, B'zal Hashem, is that there is a very good reason why, because they're very, very much interconnected. So, 
if we begin to the, the way that idolatry started, idolatry actually started by Enosh. Enosh was the grandson of Adam. That's how far or Adam, a child, and then the next one already started idolatry. Now, how did that start? I mean, you're so close to creation. Like your grandfather, who is alive at that time, you're able to speak to him, was created by God. He knew, he spoke to God, he had a whole, you know, godly experience. How is it that his grandson messed up and started serving idolatry? So the Rambam explains, and he says that, you know, the thought process was like this. The thought process was, God created stars and the sun, and through that, they, you know, controlling the world through, like, the zodiacs and, and different, you know, astrological, um, you know, uh, powers. So their thought process was, and Enosh was included in this, was... If let's say you have a king, and the king has a very high official, you want you need to hire you need to honor that official because that is in essence honoring the king. So they thought, let us honor the stars, the sun, and all the you know all the figures in the in the heavens, because in essence we're really honoring God. So their thought process might it might seem it's sort of a rationalization. It's all rationalization. Really, I'm doing a good thing because X, Y, and Z, and this is how this is how it began to start. So the way that it started is is simply I'm honoring God's servants because then I'm actually honoring God. Eventually this led into uh, you know, people having like, you know, uh, uh, prophecies from these false gods. And be like, well I just got a dream from this God and he told me to make this image of this star and now we have to do this and this and this and this type of uh, and, and we see there's actually Hinduism. Some of, some of the ideology that Hindus follow, they claim that you know, somebody had a prophecy and they said this is how you're supposed to follow these things. So this is how it started already from the generation of Enosh. The question that is asked, though, uh, it, it actually goes on. Eventually, what happens is, is that they have these prophecies, then they build temples, then they, build, then they produce texts uh, on this, and then eventually it comes to a point where they sort of knock out God and they're just focusing just on the idolatry. So the question is asked, though, you're building a statue. You're taking a thing, you're carving out a face, whatever it is, a monkey, a rat, depending whichever religion you're doing, and you start bowing down to it, offering sacrifice to it. Who in the right mind is going to be like, well, you know, you're serving ideology. No, you, you need mental health. You need real, seriously. You just created something and you're bowing down to it. How does that make any sense? So, the Shlomo Melech in Kohelet, chapter 7, verse 14 said, God made everything an equal playing field. Which means is that if you had the ability to, cre- to create a miracle, to do a miracle from the side of holiness, you had the equal ability to do it from the side of unholiness, from impurity. So just like we were able to produce so, so many different types of miracles and produce, we, we were able to uh, see so many types of miracles, those miracles were able to happen both in the holy side and the unholy side. The way that idolatry worked is they actually took this black, this, this black magic and they, and they attach it to this idol. So it wasn't like, ooh, you know, we're going to serve an idol, we're going to bow down to it, it's going to be cool, you know, come join us. It actually worked. But things actually worked. They bowed down for rain, it rained. They, it actually attributed a lot of sorcery, a lot of black magic uh, to these things. This is how we understand Abraham. You know the famous story of Abraham? Abraham, he was, uh, you know, his father had, you know, you know, I don't know, like a, you know, shop smart idols, you know, dot, you know, com. And, uh, he was, uh, you know, he had to, you know, he had to go on the idol conference probably in Vegas. And he said, listen, Avaham, I gotta go uh, to the conference or whatever it is. Can you please go and watch the store? You know, just man the front. The mom's like, yeah, sure. You know, I got this. Don't worry about it. He goes, Avaham takes it, destroys the entire store, leaves one statue, you know, hanging and puts like an axe or some sort of weapon in the axe. In the, in the hand. Then, Tarach, Abraham's father comes in, he's like, Abraham, what happened over here? 
So Lamech's like, this is a crazy story that he's like, you're not going to believe this. He says, you know, someone came, brought an offering to one of the other gods. This big god got so angry, so upset, and he started just knocking everybody down and just destroyed everybody. It was all this god's fault. I have nothing to do with this. So Terach, Abraham's father, says, what are you kidding me? He's like, this is, he's made of stone. He's made of wood. How is it possible that he is going to go and do anything? So if we stop the question, if we stop the story right there, if Terach himself, Abraham's father said, this is all made, this is all fake, then why did he bow down to it? Why did, was he in the business of it? It makes absolutely no sense. And the answer is that he knew that these idols of wood and stone mean absolutely nothing. But there are certain powers attached to it. There's certain black magic that is attached to it. Those are the powers that they were worshipping. They were worshipping what they were getting. And this is why we spoke about, I believe it was uh, two weeks ago, on uh, Buddhism, when somebody serves idolatry, they're really serving themselves. It's just a way of getting what I want to get. So, the Rambam goes and continues. And this is how you know, idolatry you know, kicked off and eventually uh, became quite popular. The Rambam says that you are, you, you're over, I don't know how to say that in English, you, you violate the prohibition of idolatry, even if you're serving an idol and you know that there's a God. You know that there is a single God and you're like, whatever, I'm just trying this out, you know, whatever, you know, like, I'm not cheating on God, you know, like, I'm just like, seeing what else is on the market. That's still considered idolatry, that's still considered idol worship. The um, Rambam also furthermore goes out and he says, you're not allowed to even read those texts. There are, there are books written by these idolatries, you're not allowed to even touch it. So, brings a very good question, if you ask me, then how can I give these classes? Why am I giving these classes? How do you have some rabbis that are fluent in the New Testament, for example? They're fluent in all these religions, how are they allowed to do that? So, if you look at the Rambam's uh, you know, commentary on Pelkei Avot, on Pelkei 2, Mishnah 17, he says that you, have to, you, could, you could study the ideas of the Gentiles in order to reply to them, to know how to answer them. However, that being said, in fact, in Moon and Bukhim, it appears also the Rambam also undertook this study, and he was also able to, uh, to uh, refute a lot of these ideas from uh, the, the Gentiles. But the question is still asked, what do we do nowadays? Nowadays, so technically... you. The lay person should not be studying these texts, should not be opening up these texts. Why are we doing it? What am I doing? So generally, you need to have a rabbinic authority that says, listen, you should need to deal with this thing because of the population that you're dealing with it. In the business that I am, in the spiritual business that I am, I need to deal with these type of things because these are, the, unfortunately, the day and age that we have to deal with. People are going to India to practice this. People are delving in Christianity. But as a general lay person, you're not allowed to read these things. You're not allowed to open it to New Testament and be like, well, let's just see what happens. I know people... Um, that actually go and um, they they go to like these chat rooms of missionaries and they just pick fights with missionaries because they have like all this knowledge from the Torah and all these things and they pick, you're not supposed to do it don't waste your time don't waste your time with these things don't bother with these things this is not what you're meant to do leave it to as they say the professionals but in generally do not go and do not read these things now you may think well you know what I'm giving you this class about it and be like, you know what, don't look into it, yeah, just trust whatever I'm saying. Uh, but in essence, what I, when, when I really did to it, and, and in really what, it, what I deal in these things, I actually ask people that are in this religion, I'm like, am I wrong with what I'm saying? And we spoke about last, uh, last week, you know, my, my Indian friend, I, 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 sent him, I sent him my information. Anything right? He added some more information. He's like, no, it's good. And he gave me some more, some more stuff to do it from. So I'm not, I'm not here to produce a biased information. I'm not here to try to convince one another. I'm simply here to search for the truth. And the truth is so obvious. It's, it's a joke. It's such a joke. When you start searching through it, it's such, it, it's, it's really, it's idiotic. Idiotic is really, is really the word uh, that uh, that we need to use, which is unfortunate. The Rabbim also says, furthermore, and this is based on a pasuk in Leviticus and Vayikra. 
chapter 19, verse 4, you now have to even look at them. So if you go and you travel, and we're still going to speak about people that travel to Thailand or to all these different types of idolatry cultures, you're not even supposed to go, you're not even allowed to look at these idols. And be like, oh, you know, that's a very healthy looking Buddha. That's a very, you know, uh, you know, scrumptious looking rat idol that you're dealing with. You're not allowed to even look at them. You're supposed to start, stay uh, far away from them. It's not cars to look at them, no. The, to go into them? To go to, no, it's not, oh. but you, it's, it's a very big, uh, it's a very big problem. You should definitely do chuba for it. If somebody happened to do that. Okay. okay. Um, a Jew that serves idolatry is considered like a non-Jew, a Gentile. It's considered like a non-Jew. Similar, this is, this is similar to somebody who doesn't keep Shabbat. Somebody who doesn't keep Shabbat is like, is, is on the same category as somebody who serves idols. So there's many different categories. We won't get to it. Maybe if we speak about Shabbat, which I do plan on speaking, uh, one day, uh, Bezalat Hashem is, um, you know, you know, counting towards a minyan, lending an interest. There's a lot of interesting things that don't count, but they're not considered as Jews. Not to, not to, to conflict with an idea saying, okay, listen, I served that idolatry. I'm not Jewish. I can marry a non-Jew now. I'm okay. No, no, no. You're still going to get judged as a non-Jew, as a Jew in the next world, but in the Jew to Jew relations, there's very different. And there's different laws that, that, uh, uh, replying there. But somebody who serves, who actually serves idolatry, that is liable for karat. That is liable for karat. What is karat? Karat, in this, in this manner, the Rambam explains that it's, first of all, you die early, you die young, you die before the age of 50, and secondly, you also get cut off from the next world. Double whammy. Not, not a good thing to do. This is obviously assuming that you did not do repentance, you did not do uh, tshuva. The Rambam then goes on and says, that when are you liable? When does it count as if you're serving idolatry? When you're, when you're serving it in the manner that it was meant to be served. So for example, there is an idol called Peol. Uh, this idol Peol, the way that you would serve it would be by defecating it on, uh, you know, on it or near it or something like that. Somebody who doesn't know what defecating is, it's not a good thing uh, to do in front of a god or anybody in general. Um, so... That is a manner. There's another, there's another, the Ram, these are the examples that the Rambam brings down. The Rambam brings down also Makulus. Makulus is an, is an idol. The way you worship it is by throwing stones at it. That's how you worship it. So if you go, and let's say, if you, first of all, if you, if you worship these idols in the manner that it was supposed to be worshipped, that they tell you, the priests tell you this is worship, you're, you, this, you violated the prohibition of idolatry. However, let's say you go and you say, you know, this idol, such a stinky idol, such a silly idol, using clean language. I'm going to defecate on it, right? And you defecate on this idol out of hatred to this idol. It still counts as if you did idolatry. If you throw stones at this idol, however, and I don't know why we're using defecating so much, but if you <laughs> defecate on another idol, that it's not the mode of worship, that doesn't count as, as worship. That being said, please do not go uh, you know, defecating around town. And now, from now on... Yeah, I'm going to stop saying that word uh, because I feel like it's been too much. Okay, so the idea is, is that you're not allowed to serve an idol in the mode that it was intended to be served. However, the Rama brings down that there are four categories that if you serve any idol in these four categories, even if it's not in its mode of service, even if it's not the way that it is intended to be served, you still violate the mode of idolatry. And that is number one, bowing. You're not allowed to bow to any idol. This right away is a very, very big problem for people that go to visit, air quotation, Buddhist temples, and you say, listen, you visited, you have to take off your shoes, you got to do a little bow to, you know, to Buddha and be like, oh, I don't think this guy's, you know, a fat slob, I don't, you know, whatever. And you bow down, it still counts as idolatry. So, so people have to be very, very careful and stay far away from these things. Number one, bowing. Number two is slaughtering an animal. Number three is bringing a burnt offering. Number four is offering a libation, pouring any liquid, uh, you know, front of the, in front of these idols. These four 
the Rambam says that any worship that you do towards this idol, even if it's not its mode, still counts as, uh, you know, as idolatry. The Rambam even furthermore goes on. How strict you have to be when bowing, when bowing or, or bowing down. If let's say somebody's walking in the street and someone gets a splinter in the foot. And if there's an idol in front, you're not allowed to even bow down to, to take the splinter out. Let's say you're walking in the street. Another example that the Rambam gives. And money drops on the floor. And you're picking up the money. You're not supposed to bow down to pick up the money. You're supposed to sit on the floor and just collect the money. Uh, which I'm sure is not going to be a good look for Jews in general. Um, like, money! Okay. Uh, but is uh, but it, you, that is the way that you need to do it. You are not allowed to. Ba- where, where did this come a problem? People go on the vacation in Thailand and in, in, you know India and all these different places. There is idols everywhere. Have you seen them? In, in, even in Thailand, there's just like in India. In India, what do they look like? Images. They're images. Yeah, they're like statues. I'm not that I know no, of. I haven't seen it in Brooklyn. Yeah. No, all here. All but if you if you go to other if you go to other areas, you'll find them all over. Even so in 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 like especially in specifically yeah, in poor places. Yeah. If you go, let's say in India, there's like it's it's literally like uh, you know it's it's crazy. You go over there and they'll, there's like somebody who was like interviewing somebody in in India. No, if they don't, even if they serve the Asherah cult, for example, they serve, they serve a tree, they don't assume every tree is an idol, unless they designate this tree is an You see, like, you know, decorations on it or something like that, then you have to stay far away from that, uh, you know, as well. But in India, they have, you know, like, you're walking through the streets over there. The streets over there is like the Shuk. You know, I've ever seen the Shuk. It's like, you know, four billion people in, like, four square feet of, uh, you know, space. And they, like, like move curtains, like, between stores and be like, idle here, idle here, idle. It's like you're in a hidden camera show. There's an idol here, there's an idol here, there's an idol here, there's an idol here, there's an idol everywhere. You have to be very careful. You can't bow down to those in, in those areas because you can't bend down because of, uh, you know, the assumption of what's, of what's going on uh, in, all the, in all the areas. Okay, so the Rambam also furthermore goes out this Happens to be you find this in Rome, in Italy, but I don't know how much you'll find this in other places. Sometimes they make fountains, and the fountains are actual idols. Uh, and from the mouth comes out water. So if somebody wants to drink water, so they put down their mouth close to the fountain. The Ram says it looks like you're, you're embracing this idol. It's a very big problem. You're not, allowed to, you're not allowed to do that as well. So if you go to these places, sometimes it doesn't come out of mouth. It comes out of different area and orifices. But in general... Don't drink from those fountains. Uh, stay far away from them. I think you're not allowed to because the water is really bad in other countries. Well, what's the point of throwing money in? Why would you waste this money? It's a good, cheap question. Huh? Why would you waste the quarter? It's, um, you, that's a valid question. It's, um, if you're putting your money in there to, to, make, to make a wish, for sure you're not allowed to. For sure you're not allowed to. Be like, you know, dear God of love, please let me find, you know, and throw in a quarter. And be like, a quarter? Oh, yeah. Now you're going to find true love. Uh, what? Else do, I don't know. Yeah, everyone else does drugs too. <laughs> what? A long time ago. <laughs> Not judging over here. Some non-judgment. So I can't say for myself. I, I can only speak for myself. I can't speak for God. Okay. So, put it this way. It definitely can hurt to do chuba on these things. In case, in case, just in case, better be safe than sorry. Don't you do it anyways on your kippur? It depends. If you do, you have it in mind, or just I have be every single sin. I, I even like. Okay, good. Okay, so yeah, that's uh, okay. that, that counts. Okay, <laughs> let's move on to uh, black magic. So the Rambam goes on and he says. He says that first, the first thing is, is uh, soothsaying. Soothsaying comes from lotenachshu. Lotenachshu means um, you know what? What is a soothsayer? Soothsayer says. This piece of bread fell from my mouth. 
So this will, I'm not going to travel to this place today because it's not going to be good luck for me. Or if a fox passes on my right side, I'm not going to go out my front door today because it's not a good sign. This, you know, these are omens. If this and this happens, I will do this. This you're not allowed to do. Let God send me a sign. This you're not allowed to do. You have to say this is all under the category of Lotanachshu. Next is also a diviner. You're not allowed, a diviner is somebody who can predict the future. Diviner is somebody who pretends he can predict the future. <laughs> if somebody goes and says, you know, you go to somebody and be like, uh, what they do is they look in the crystal mirror, they'll flip some cards, they'll do some other things and that. You're forbidden to be a diviner and you're forbidden to go to a diviner. A fortune teller, a fortune teller is different than a diviner, is not predicting the future but saying, this time is good for you. This is going to be a good time to open a business, you know, and then you're going to find a new person today. Uh, you know, those type of things you have to stay, uh, you know, far, far away from. This also calls, falls under the category, if somebody performs a magic trick and doesn't tell the person, like, hey, this is a sleight of hand, it's not really magic, I don't practice with demons, uh, that also falls under the category. And that's why when you have, when you go to religious performers, they actually announce before the show, this is all a sleight of hand. This is not real magic, just so you know, just to get out of this uh, problem of, of pretending to be, uh, yeah, uh, some doing doing magic. Also, the Rambam says you are not allowed to go and cast any spells. Casting spells again, just chanting just nonsense stuff, you know, heebie-jeebie stuff, and saying, well, now you're going to be okay and safe, and don't worry about it. Now, I, I placed a spell on this uh, snake, he's not going to bite you. You can hold him, don't worry about this. <laughs> Boa Constrictor is just loving hugs, it's nothing else. Um, so... Those things are, are problematic. Also, to, see, to, um, to, to try to get some information from the dead people. Leave the dead alone. That's just a general good advice that you can have. Yeah. If you learn one thing from today, just the leave the dead. What if they come to you in a dream? That's, a whole that's something, yeah, that's nothing, that's something else. That, that's fine. Just putting yeah. it out there. Mm-hmm. Don't could you not use dream? You can, no, no, and that's fine. It's a big thing. If you have a, if you have a deceased person that passed away, there's different... And then they come to you. And they do certain things, yeah, it depends on the, the dream. That's not, that's not a problem. They tell you things. But don't, what, what I mean is that uh, there's some people, let's say, that they fast, and they go sleep in a cemetery in order to get some sort of, you know, connection to the... Yes, people sleep in the cemetery willingly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some of those people happen to wear black makeup, uh, or happen to not do, I don't know. Um, anyways... The Rambam, you know, that, that concludes the Rambam's laws of, of Abu Dazahab. Even if somebody believes that God created the world, and he believes that God is the main authority, but he still worships Abu Dazahab, it still counts as idolatry. And I'm repeating that again to make sure that you'll see why we need that as we go on. Okay, I really want to go through a, a very, uh, various amount of different... Uh, you know, religions now, and I'm going to try to, to knock them out as fast as I can, and you'll see some sort of common denominator by a lot of them. We're going to start off with the Chinese folk religion or Chinese traditional religion. So when you're dealing with, with Chinese religion, it's very, very different. Generally, when you're dealing with Eastern religions, it's very different than a Western mentality. Western mentality is you do one thing and that's it. That you, you're in this religion or this one. Chinese and Asian and even some African mentalities, it's more like, whatever, you know, like, you know, Go with the flow. Serve any god you want. It's all cool. You know, everything is coolio. So, the Chinese folk religion is actually has close to 400 million people following this religion. And what this religion is, first of all, there is no founder to this religion. Which right away is like, you know, like, how do you know it's true? You don't have a founder. There is no, it's not even an organized religion. It's, and we'll soon see, it, it generally was like one village served one thing, another village served another thing, and they just bottled everything together as like a Chinese, uh, you know, folk uh, religion. These, uh, you know, these ideas of ideologies of those times are, there's no, there's no proof whatsoever of any divinity, any divine revelation, any divine connection with these, uh, with these powers. The uh, Chinese in general uh, follow polytheism, 
they actually offer sacrifices to these uh, to these gods. You, you really think about it when you know we're thinking from the Western world. And in fact, if you would have taken a comparative religion class in in college 50 years ago, you would have not gotten most of these religions because you were just dealing with you know you would have dealt with Christianity, Islam, Judaism, and maybe you know some other like branches of that. You wouldn't even deal with it. Now with the media, a lot of people are getting out there and they know what what's going on over here. But this is really some old fashioned stuff. This is you're talking about people what they served idols, idols like they served like like thousands of years ago. They um, you know some gods for example were. You know, they liked animal meat. You know, some of them were you know, vegetarians. They didn't uh, deal with that. But like, for example, for the Chinese gods, there was like a river god or dragon gods that uh, the dragon gods obviously, you know, control the water. We all know that. They uh, would go and you would have to actually go and sacrifice animals to them in order to get rain, in order to get certain things uh, for them. The problem, the, the second or third or fourth or hundredth problem with you, when you deal with these religions is... It's just a collection of all religions. So when Buddhism came into town, when Confucianism came into town, when Taoism came into town, they were like, what you doing? Yeah, all right, let's do it together. You know, what you doing? And they sort of just like combined it. That's why also these numbers, when you say about how many followers, is not really a good, a good estimate because people, they just go, they do everything. They just do, and they worship like everything that's going on over there. That right away is a sign that a religion is not true. If your religion is true, you don't need to start borrowing from other religions. Be like, you know, that's, uh, that's a good idea. We didn't think about that. You know, yeah, let's, uh, you know, let's incorporate that. Once that, that's already a red flag. The, they also share some, you know, some gods with Hinduism. I don't know how that, you know, sort of just like, you know, got in there. Uh, the, the, another reason that it's sort of like another red flag is the government used to regulate, well, I guess what's good for business, which gods you could serve and which gods you cannot serve. So, and I'm not saying the government as like the priests. I'm talking about like the emperors or rulers to be like, listen, this is not good for business over here. This god we're going to dish. Uh, this god we're going to produce. So, you know, we're going we're to make more of this. That already is not a sign of saying some sort of divine religion. A religion of God, a religion that is divine is unchanging. It doesn't change. There don't, there don't need to be a reform movement. There's no need to be a conservative. It stays exactly the same because it does not change. The, and also, some Asian uh, cultures, historically, there were some human sacrifices. Generally, if, let's say, your superior died, you were sort of accompany that person into the next world, uh, you know, as well. So there was actually a uh, human uh, sacrifice. Now, the next thing we're going to speak about is something that is very common until for the rest of the class that we're going to speak about today. The Shul is going to speak about a lot very heavily on this thing, and that is ancestor worship. They would actually worship the people that died from their, from their families. So to uh, their understanding is, the Chinese understanding and also some African, uh, you know, tribes understanding, is when, the, uh, when these parents, ancestors, leave the world, they still have a very, very strong influence and understanding in this world, and they can also change things in this world. So what they do is that they make sure that they are honored, they are attributed good in the next world, because then, you find this comical, right? I also do. Um, they go and they, and they take this and they say, that will produce benefit to me in this world. So by them worshipping their ancestors, their ancestors in turn are going to do something good for them. This starts already from the funeral. They put, uh, in the funeral, they'll put a comb in the, in the, in the you know, coffin, uh, toothbrush, Towel, shoes, water. Even nowadays, they put a computer in case you know they check your emails. Uh, you know, so they'll they'll put all these things in the actual funeral, in the actual coffin with them. Why? Starting a new you know venture in the next world, you want to make sure you're off to a good feet. They actually even also put money. And relax, it's not real money, it's spirit money, obviously. Um, so they put these these you know ideas. And why? Because. You're getting into the next world, and now you need some help. You need some, some, some you know, help with this. And by them doing that, they're thinking, in turn, they're going to help them in, uh, in this world. 
and they do offerings, they actually sacrifice to these, um, you know, to these, uh, to, to these ancestors. If you go, um, again, I don't know why you would be, but if you ever would be in, let's say, a, um, somebody who follows this type of religions in their house, they have a shrine in their house. And they have a picture of their ancestor in the big, in the middle of the shrine, and you'll see like incest, um, incense, Hopefully not incest. You'll see. Um, you'll go over there, and you'll see all these, all, you know, all these things. The offerings. Am I the only one that caught that? Okay, good. Bo Hashem. All right. So um, it's a. It's a it's a different religion. It's a different. We didn't get up to that. Oh, did we speak about that? We spoke about that. Yeah. So um, in any case. The um, they would also, as this ancestor died, they would prov- they would offer the favorite wine, favorite food, so on and so forth, different different types of ideas, so that they could be honored. Yeah, yeah, they do. They have a very very strong. Anyway, you know what's interesting? There, most of them. There's so many of them, and we'll, today our focus is really going to be on this idea. They believe very very heavily on the spirit world, but their belief is so misconstrued, so twisted, so turned from the actual real truth that it is. And and we'll see. And Bizarre Shemot will have time to prove it as uh, as well. The the you know the Chinese, and this is also ancient Egyptians as well. They believed so strongly on this idea that they, the honoring of the dead, which is a great thing, you're supposed to honor the dead, you are supposed to, uh, but they would actually pay people to mourn in their funeral. So people that are not related, these are called professional mourners. I don't know, if, uh, they still do that, yeah, they still do that, for a minimum fee of 45 pounds a day, you get one, a professional mourner in England. Uh, they do it, they go there, and these are professional people that they just cry, I don't know if they have a sad life or whatever it is, but they're able to go cry on, on an instant, and they go and they even do singing and dancing, they even perform a eulogy, and, you know, and this person, um, and the more people that cry in the funeral, the greater honor that it has. Now why do they care so much about it? Because they feel that if you honor the person so much, he in turn has power. This person they claim has power, let's say they worship this person, they have power to influence the people in, in, in this world. Which is very, very straight out idolatry. You're worshiping a, a human being that you claim that has power over, uh, in, you know, in this, you know, in this world. The uh, they also have uh, something called shamanism. Yeah, you guys ever familiar with that? With that, uh, like a shaman um, is a uh, it, that's sort of the person who's the mediator between the humans and the spirit. So it's sort of like the there's another word for it. I, I'm, I'm slipping my mind. They could interact with the spirit the spirit world. Medium, thank you, a medium. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know, yeah, okay. So, it's, it's African, Asian, very, very heavily in the, in the Eastern they, culture. It's a very new thing, though. Like, Americans mm. are very into it, this medium. This oh, yeah, and now we'll speak about spiritualism or spiritism. Are they really, like, actually connect with the... Possibly, possibly. We'll speak about that. Yeah, possibly. Most of it is fake, and we'll speak about that. There's also fun. I'm just going to warn you guys, it's, we are no way going to finish on time. We're like, there's not even a chance, but I'm going to keep on going. So if anybody needs to leave, as long as, if anybody needs to leave, by all means, like, you know, you know, we have a lot, you know, I need, I need to, I need, so if anybody needs to leave, by all means, go, uh, but I want to get to, to all those, uh, all those ideas that, uh, I want to just bottle this all up in one class. I don't know, it stretches out more than needed, it's not, it's unnecessary. So, 
Shamanism is, is the idea of interacting with the spirit, spirit world. The Chinese specifically believe that the evil spirits, they don't like light. Oh, melting, you know, that light, that's not good for them. I guess the vampires, maybe that's where it came from, I don't know. Um, but they avoid light, and that's why they have a lot of, a lot of their rituals. For example, New, Chinese New Year is the, hot, is the most, you know, holiest day for the Chinese, you know, religion. What do they, they have a lot of fire, uh, fireworks. They also have these, um, they, they have different, different holidays. They have these sky lanterns. When you go and you, they light a candle and it's sort of like a hot air balloon of the thing. Why do they do that? Because the evil spirits are scared of light. So they run away from these things. These. So we can't do that. Yeah, no, no, you should not. Well, and if you buy it. Well, you do it for yourself, it's fine. But if you're participating with their, with their holiday, you know, you're buying one of their fireworks and be like, yes, you know, the, you know, light. It's good, good, good. You know, good luck. You know, you do that, that, that's a problem. Even if you, that's, that's part of their, their idolatry. Also, they hold that, uh, evil spirits you know, can only travel in a straight line. That's why a lot of roads in China is, is you know, is, is turning. Yeah. Um, and I was actually looking up because the Great uh, Wall of China is also, you know, you know squiggly, uh, squiggly, uh, you know, professional terminology um, while we're at it. They, um, so, so I did find one reasoning saying that is the reason as well, but majority of them say that's just because the way that the border was, was lying. Where did the number 13 come in? In China? Like, yeah, I don't know. Chinese have so much superstition. Everywhere in the world, thirteen is good, except America. I just want to let everyone know. Okay. Okay. Well, Hashem. Eight is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Eight is considered infinity. And uh, yeah, turn the eight on the side. Um, okay. But what they what they what these Chinese people feel is that if let's say you had a spirit, how does a spirit turn evil? They didn't have a proper burial. They didn't have a proper honoring. So it's almost like there is no interaction. Doesn't matter what you did in this world. Forget about that. You know, it doesn't matter. It's like how if you don't get proper honor, the spirit could turn evil and they could cause you problems. So you have to go and appease them by offering them sacrifices, by offering them all these different rituals that you have to do. And they have a specific a specific holiday called Ghost Month or Ghost Festival, where they have a festival specifically for these spirits that are unhappy, and they offer you know sacrifice to them. They they even they they prepare uh, you know a banquet. But no one sits down because the spirits obviously so you can't can't eat their food, and so there's a bunch of empty you know empty seats. No, they sacrifice some sacrifice animals, depending. It could be ox, sheep. It could be a bunch of uh, chicken. Um, it could be vegetables. Vegetables are usually the primary source. Of, well, what's the difference? It doesn't matter. The um, the they also have stage performers that they perform for the coast, you know, for us to appease them to make sure that they're entertained. Um, but the 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 idea when you're looking at this, the focus is very heavily in this world. It's very heavy. It's like what can I do to make my life better? When we spoke about uh, Buddhism, if I'm not mistaken, we spoke based on Rabbi Akiva Tass saying that you know the idea of, of idolatry is really worshiping myself. And we really see that as you go and you learn about all these things, it's really worshiping myself. I don't really care. You notice it's not about how do I become a better spirit in the next world. It's how about do I get what I want in this world. Oh, I need rain, I need money, I need success, I need to pass an exam. Creation, right? So you go and you want to pray and offer offer sacrifices to these types of gods that they go and and these are your ancestors that they will go and they would they would help you with that. And the, um, you know they also have the the yin and the yang, which um, I'm sure you guys heard. You know, so for example, you have the yin, so the earth versus the yang of the heaven, and then you have the female, the male, the dark, the dark, the light, the passive, the um, the active, the even, and the odd, and so on and so forth. The uh, this is different ideologies. Where does this come into play? 
when you look at their idea of creation, how did they create the creation? <laughs> so hilarious, you're finding it hilarious. Um, <laughs> so, why is it that these? Um, how did the how did the world come into being? So one of the there's different types of stories. When you're when you're telling me more than one story of creation, that already means that you're not saying the truth because it could only be one real truth. Be like, how did you get to you know this class tonight? If you tell me more than one answer, that means that there, I can't trust any of your answers because there's only one way that you got here, uh, you know, to this class. It's the one, you know, the path that you took. So they had different different paths. The one that I find uh, that I found, you know, interesting is they had um, there was a certain person, uh, you know, I don't want to say his name because they might use it as an idolatry, but uh, he was born in a big black egg and he uh, lived there. He slept for eighteen thousand years. Hi, I guess. I don't know. Um, the yin and the yang balance as he grew. Eventually, you know, he was tired. He woke up after 18,000 years. And he was like, well, I'm in an egg. And he, and he broke the egg. And he spread the egg apart. And that's what the, the spread of the yin and, yin and the yang. Yeah, yeah. And uh, this is the, the top egg became the heaven. The bottom egg became the earth. He lived for about another 18,000 years. Then he died. His body became different parts of the, of the, you know, of the earth. And humans are the parasites. Welcome to our religion. Yes, oh yeah, God. all the parasites. So, this is this is one of the stories of the origin. Again, myth, legend, whatever it is. But you're telling me the story as your origin of creation. It makes me want to think. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it kind of seems like you've been doing a little bit of uh, something else, and actually, you know, concentrating on divinity. The also the Chinese zodiac. You know the Chinese. You know the Chinese zodiac. You guys are familiar with that. The year of the dog. The year of the cat. The year of the mouse. You know the year of the rats. Yeah. Uh, you know the dragon. The monkey. Um, the rooster. Yeah. So. How did this come into being? So, um, what happened was, funny story. <laughs> so, um, there was an emperor, godlike emperor, that he wanted to produce these things, and he said, the first animals that come to me are going to be the ones to be selected into the 12 zodiac signs. So, it's basically a rat race, literally, um, to get to the first one to get into, uh, into there. And, uh, and, and it's funny because there's actually details. So, like, the rat was friends with a cat, and the cat says, I sleep late, so can you wake me up early because I want to make sure the rat's like totally, you know, I'm your buddy because a rat and a cat always are friends. And the rat said to the cat, and the rat was so excited, couldn't sleep, went up literally, completely forgot to get the cat. That's why the rat is also the first one. He was able to get, the, get to the first one. But then the question is, there's a dragon, but the dragon can fly. How come he didn't go up? Because the dragon had to stop and give rain because we spoke about that rain to a certain village, and then he was late. So, and then we have our zodiacs. The way that the animals came in order, the rat came in first. So you're zodiac number one, then the ox, then the tiger, and then the rabbit, then the dragon, then who cares, and then so on and so forth, uh, came into these things. So that's if if that's the way that you're describing how you became like you know what zodiac sign are you? You know, like I don't want anything to do there's actually no source. It's not even be like it's not even saying like well, a prophet came to me and told me this is the month of the, of the monkey. And I'm like, no, it's not, not, not even anything close to that. Why would anybody believe it based on those ideas? It, it makes absolute, there is absolutely no proof whatsoever on anything divine in this religion. It just seems like, you know, like, hey, what do you believe in? Cool, let's do that. And that's, and that's pretty much how it went. So to refute this is fairly simple. Number one, no origin, no founder. Um, the sort of, it's a man-made religion combined with a bunch of different other religions put in together and a bunch of legends that there's actually no source for it. There's actually no idea that as this actually came into being. There's no, there's no prophecy. There's absolutely nothing in these religions. Almost 400 million people follow this thing. So it really begs you to think, why don't they think? Why don't they stop for a second and be like, is this really what the world is about? Is this really? Easy, so is Christianity, but it, yeah, technically it is easy. Okay, let's move on to Taoism. Taoism. 
whichever way we want to spell it. There is ranging, this is different between uh, 20 to 100 million people uh, follow this. Generally, you're going to go look online, you do these different types of uh, statistics. It's generally about 20 million people, but as we said before, they combine a lot of different ideologies together with one, so it's really more than, than 20. Who is the origin? Who is the founder? I'm going to try to go fast through these uh, things as fast as I can. The origin, first of all, there's no founder already. Well, they claim there's no founder. We're going to see that. There's no founding date. They claim there's no founding date. When I say they, I'm talking about the people that follow Taoism. However, the scholarly people, the historians, beg to differ and says, yes, there is a founder, and yes, there is a, you know, a, you know, founding, uh, there's, a, there's a starting date. They, they base this up between the 4th and 3rd century BCE. There was a person by the name of Lao Tzu. Lao Tzu, first of all, he's the person who they claim is the author of the Tao Di, uh, the Tao Di Ching, which is their you know, text. Uh, but there are some historians that say that he never existed. Some of them say not sure if he existed. So it's a, a religion that's, that's based off somebody who is like, I don't know, yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe not. Who knows, you know? Like, uh, I mean, like, why? You, you're even starting a religion? And then what, the, the funny thing is, is that the person that also got this ball uh, rolling was a person by the name of... Jane Daling, which he claimed he had a prophecy from this make-believe man who came and told him he's going to be the first celestial master and he's going to... And it's similar, literally like a story of Yosef. There's going to be a period of, of problems, of apocalypse, and then there's going to be a period of peace afterwards and he's going to guide them through, uh, you know, through all the, the troubling times. In any case, um, moving that aside, moving those problems that we have with that religion already, there's no founder or there is a founder, but there's no real founder, um, no real foundation date, but there is a foundation date, but there's no real divination connection, connection with the God, but there is some sort of idea with them. They uh, believe in something called the, the, the Tao. The Tao is uh, sort of the way of the world. The way of the world is, um, in their understanding, it's a very... It's a very vague and open to many interpretations. That's how they explain it to you. In fact, they'll explain to you, like, it's very easy to understand, and it's very difficult to understand. I'd be like, are you playing mind games with me? Like, which one is it? It's like, oh, it's simple, but it's very hard. I'd be like, if you're starting a religion, if a god is creating a religion, it's not going to be like, hey, yeah, good luck in this one. It's like a mind bender. You're never going to get this. You know, it's going to be hilarious. But why would you start a If it's a religion of God, you would want to promote the ability to be able to practice it. But you say, no, it's very difficult, but it's very easy. I guess depending, if you don't have a brain, it'd be like, oh, yeah, it's so simple. Of course, I have to bow down 17 times to this God. Why wouldn't I need to, you know, something tough, Yeah, you know, whatever it is. And why wouldn't, but if you have a mind, you'd be like, oh, it's very difficult. When you're starting off saying this religion is very easy and very difficult, it already brings some questions into mind. The the actual very, very strong focus on this religion is the immortals. And the immortals are people, these are, these are superhumans that are worshipped by these Taoists. They, um, and we'll soon see, they're very, very strongly oriented towards immortality. It's like, you know, fantasy land, you know, whatever. Like, what is the source for immortality? And in fact, they, they have this pilgrimage that they have to do to these five sacred sites. What are these sacred sites? These are where the immortals live. So they actually search for these things. Why? To get the secret of immortality. That's what the religion is based on. So you can see, first of all, already starting off, it's very, very heavily focused on this world. The, um, these immortals are basically humans that turn godlike. And they're worshipping these humans that turn godlike. They, um, besides that, they also borrowed gods from other cultures, like any other good you know, idolatry. They borrow anything from everything else. But one of their main things is, um, is longevity, living a good life. 
And you ever see these, you know, some of these Asian people, they, they look like they're 7,000 years old. You know, they actually look like they're, they're like 5,000 years old. They're old. You know, I, I remember when I, um, I, don't, I don't see her anymore, but when I, I go to shul, I go to daven, I go to pray in the morning very, very early. And in the winter, it's still dark outside. And whenever I used to go pray, I always used to see this Asian woman on the way, lives near me. Uh, she's about, you know, six or seven hundred years old. And she, she goes over there, she's sitting out there, she's, you know, she's doing exercises when everybody is snoozing into, she's facing the sun and she's doing like these slow motions. She's going like, she's, she's doing these things. It's actually, yeah, it's, it's, it's called Kui Gong. It's actually, um, she was yeah, of course I know what she was doing. She, it's, it's like, it's like exercise in the, in the beginning of the morning and the sun rays is the most healthiest. Uh, you realize they're very, very healthy people. They, they, you know, they eat rice and I don't know what else they, they as all I know, they eat rice. Rice is not that healthy though. It's not that healthy? I, well, if you eat it with chop, chopsticks, you can only get like one kernel at a time. So, uh, by the time that you actually get some food inside, you're already full. So, what Americans eat? Burgers. Yeah, so they, they focus very much on, on, on like natural remedies. Yeah, holistic medicine, yeah. Uh, fake medicine, some people call it. But yeah, generally holistic. No, no, some of them work. Some of them work. Um, yeah, you got, I, I speak to vitamin store owners. And, uh, you know, I don't want to tell you what. I'm like, so do these things really work? Some. Some of them, you know, like yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, some of the mushrooms are very powerful immune boosters. I I tried them myself. Some of the mushrooms you said? Yes, mushrooms. Like, totally. All right. um, yeah. There are. I'm not saying there's not. Of course, there's benefit to these things. All the natural remedies are the healthiest. Are the healthiest things, but it's also a business. And they'd be like, wait a minute, you have... Uh, well, yeah, also. Well, that at least has to get some sort of uh, approval, even though that thing is like completely... No, even they do their research on it, it's all nonsense. Yeah. So, well, they, they do have some, some things. In any case, um, the, the Tao Te Ching, the, the, the religion itself... Uh, first of all, I have to tell you, this is an actual quote from the Tao Te Ching. The Tao is like a well, filled with infinite possibilities, hidden but always present. I don't know who gave birth to it. It is older than God. I have a question. Um, how is it possible that something's order older than the Creator? Are you saying there's many creators and then that already in, in itself? Yeah, very hard to understand, but very simple to understand. Uh, you know, it's it's it, it doesn't make any sense to understand. But in essence, they they do have some like you know smart sayings and things like that. But they don't have any real teachings about what happens after death. Now, why won't you, if you're religion and you die, wouldn't that be a good idea to be like, hey, this is what happens after death. They don't have any real teachings on it. Until, you know, like, uh, you know, Buddhists came into town and they were like, you know, I guess they were like, so what do you guys hold after death? They're like, no, we're longevity, immorality, that's where it's all at. Be like, well, we hold of, you know, karma and, you know, reincarnation. Be like, cool, cool. We never even thought about that. Tell us more, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know what? Let's incorporate that also into our religion. So they start incorporating other ideologies into that religion. Again, very, very man-made religion. And you have millions and millions of people are following this type of, of religion. These are not small changes in a religion. It's not going to be like, well, you know, you had to eat the matzah with the wine, now you have to eat it with... This is huge changes. This is fundamental changes in religion. To know what happens after you die, and then you take that from another religion... That just screams out that you just made it all up. That it's all fake, it's all nonsense, it's all complete nashkite. 
The, um, there's also something very interesting called the Wu Wei, um, which is non-action in, uh, you know, in the Taoist understanding. It's, uh, or it's called effortless action. Very difficult to understand for the Western mind. That's what they tell us. Um, uh, but, but the idea is, the idea is actually not a bad idea when you think about it, uh, rooted in a bunch of bad ideas. But think about it like this. A bowl of muddy water will stay muddy if you keep on aggravating it. If you don't aggravate it, it'll turn clear. So their understanding is, uh, and I'll give you a quote, when I let go of what I am, I become of what I might be. You know, like, oh, a penny saved is a penny earned. You know, like, oh, yeah, thank you. You know, like, I'm on a chair. A chair is growing on wood. A wood is growing on the ground. I'm sitting on the ground. <gasps> no, I mean, like, you know, it's like, it's like as if you're saying these, like, smart, you know, smart sayings. It's like, when I let go of what I am, I'll become of what I'll be. It, which is essence is like, don't worry so much about becoming better. Just let go of everything and become of who you are. I'm a psychopath. You know, like, yeah, just let everything go. Become a good people, you know, become a thing. Whatever, you know, your natural instinct. But this idea, obviously, I'm taking it a step further than they actually uh, state that it is. But um, you guys know, uh, you know, the, this, uh, you know, Tai Chi? You know, like Tai Chi, very slow martial art. So this actually has very strong emphasis in uh, Taoism. It was actually started by some of the name of Tsang Sang Fun. Um, he was a 12th century Taoist that he um, made this type of... And what is this? It's like a very slow, deliberate... You know, Tao is the way. The way with, with, the, with the universe, the way with the earth, the way with, the, with nature. So it's a very, very slow movement. Almost like, seems like someone's drunk and trying to find a balance. And that's, a, you know, the, the, you know the, the martial art. And it's very heavily rooted in, um, in, in Taoism. There's also, you know, in, in, in these temples, they actually have statues of Lao Tzu, Lao Tzu, which is the actual, you know, founder of other gods as well. They actually also do uh, these talismans, these like uh, burning rituals where they have, they have like some sort of sacred text written on a, on a piece of paper. Then they burn it and they wave it. I don't know if you've ever seen this. They wave it around. This is like a sign of an omen uh, that it will be good for you because there's a hidden magical text in this. And when they burn it, hey, you're going to be successful, you know, whatever, and so on and so forth, other, other different uh, things like that. Um, in general, their ideology is to be healthy, and the aim is to live a long life. Now, that is not telling you you're a religion. That's telling me a way of life. Good. You know, you're Weight Watchers. You're not a religion. You're just a way of life. You know, you've got to count every calorie that you eat. Cool. By all means, if it makes you healthy, that's fine. Um, but to say that Taoism is already a religion, what is a religion already? What is it that, that, you're, that you're a religion? You ever heard of uh, feng shui? Yeah. Usually... Who, feng, so I'll explain what feng shui is before I knock it. Um, feng shui is like... Um, People make, you know, like the energy that flows between the, you know, the thing. Setting up the room. It's a decoration. But this is very heavy, uh, you know, oriented in in, uh, Taoism. It's uh, it's the flow of energy through it. Usually, in America, it's some like, I don't know, blonde here, blue-eyed person. And be like, so I studied Feng Shui in like an online course. And um, the couch cannot be over here. It's got to be somewhere else. The the energy, I just feel it. I feel the energy. The spirits are talking to me. And it's just not going this way. And I have to go this way. And they completely, you know, put it in that way. So that, that, where is it? It's all about the energy, the flow of energy, the flow of all these things. Where? It's based off of of this idolatry of of Taoism. What? Well, it's a truth like as any internal design, you know, artist. What do you think? There's truth. There? The, oh, the energy is flowing. <laughs> I feel this way. Yeah. Well, that's just not. You know, like the, that's psychology. Also, yeah, red is like blood. Yeah, yeah. But if you're yeah, yeah. Well, that's how it's based off. It's based, they actually did this off art, full architectures of building. 
well, Chinese. Uh, you know, this is, you know, Shinto is uh, Japanese. This is a, uh, we'll get to that. The, um, so, so this idea is, is, first of all, this religion, created by man, very, very obvious. Um, no founder, yes founder, irrelevant to whichever way you go, it's all bad. They combine other religion, and there's no proof that this is a correct religion. It's sort of like, you know, just like worshipping, you know, your parents, your ancestors, and things like that. Okay. Let's move on to Confucianism. You guys know Confucianism? Got the long beard. Um, yeah. What? Lots of codes. Confucius has, you know, <laughs> save money and retire. You know, uh, great ideas. So um, this, first of all, is very easy to review because it's not a real religion. They actually claim that it's not a real religion. It's an ethical and philosophical system. It's a way of life taught by Confucius. Way of life. Way of life. It's not even yeah, yeah, but they still count it as as religion. We'll soon see uh, why. Why do people like actually follow it? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Confucius. You have about five to six million people solely just Confucius. Um, confused. Confused. Yeah. The um, so Confucius, Confucius was born, uh, you know, 551 BCE, and he sort of developed these concepts that he wanted to practice in his political career. But no one wanted to listen to him, so he tried to go to other places for people to listen to him. It didn't work out so well. He ended up coming back, and he was known as a man of vision, of man of wisdom. And he ended up at age of 67, he started to go, you know, go back to his hometown and started teach and started writing down his teachings. At 73 years old, he died, and he was relatively unknown. His students are the ones that, that, that blew it up. In fact, at one point in time, the um, Confucius became a dominant religion in China that it, that it was practiced. Generally, it's more like an ethical understanding. He has like five, you know, five categories of relationship. It's like ruler to subject. If you be good to your, your subjects, they will turn show you loyalty. A parent to child. If a father would, and parents love their children, the children, will be, the children will be obedient. A husband to wife. If a wife will be fair to his wife, his wife will be, let's just say, respectful. That's not teaching. It's gone, yeah. And so on and so forth. Older siblings, younger siblings, and friends, and so on and so forth. However, it didn't stop right there because everybody else was worshipping ancestors. So they included that in the religion also, and they also worshipped their ancestors. But they don't have any priests, any theology into it. There's no ideas of an afterlife in it. It's not really a religion. It's only specifically sort of a way of life. That's not a religion that doesn't constitute any any, um, higher power other than complete and utter man-made religion that you can't, you can't uh, you know, vouch anything for it. Okay, good. Let's move on to Shintoism. Shintoism is Japanese. Uh, Shintoism, they have, first of all, there's no supreme god. There's no supreme you know, ruler. There is something called Kami. Kami is a divine spirit. Um, there's no founder. There's no like teacher that's taught it. There's no even set of, of doctrines that they actually follow. Um, and in fact, before other religions... Shinto didn't even have a name. It was just like, this is what we do, you know, in Japan. Who comes to Japan? Nobody. It's like, we just do what we do. We just have cool forests, and now we have nice technology. But nobody actually went into there, and until, until Buddhism and, and all these other Confucianism and Taoism started coming in, that they started separating themselves. Okay, we're, we're, we're Shintoism. But then they also included, you know, this is a good idea, this is a good idea. Let's, you know, let's huddle together, and let's create, you know, everything together. So they, they, they incorporate a lot of these things. And if you go to Shinto shrine, you'll see Buddhist, temp, Buddhist gods, and you see all different types of other, other gods you know in general so um, they the, the Shintos in general worship like the Chinese and we'll see some the African also they worship the, the spirits the spirits were the ones that are concerned with human beings and they're going to be able to intervene with the humans to provide them success in anything that they want they claim that there's 18 million uh, eight, sorry 8 million kami but in essence 8 million is just a number of infinity meaning there's there's, a, uh, there's infinity amount of spirits that you could worship and so on and so forth however they say that these spirits are not all good. Some of them are evil. Some of them die. Some of them decay. They, um, 
they can influence nature, and you have to make sure that you make them, uh, you make them happy. The, um, and again, some of them is the powerful ancestors, military uh, personnel that, that really exemplified you know, the, you know, their, their bravery. There is very, very little uh, about the way of a moral code. There's also something you know, in, in Shintoism, which also spells out right away all these ideas that I'm sp- you should already know. By me just, at this point in time, if you've been listening or you've been following those classes that we said, at this point in time, you should already know by just what I'm telling you, already to realize that it's a fake religion. There's something called a Tori. A Tori is, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but they have these like pillars with these like, it's like a very Japanese uh, uh, looking uh, pillar. It's like two pillars on the side and it has like, you know, two different uh, things on top of them. These are called the Tori. These are, are usually when a when a Japanese uh, Shintoist or better yet says walks under these things, they actually bow down because this means that you're walking into a temple, which you have to also have to be careful. You ever visit Japan? Stay away from these uh, you know Tori's and so on and so forth because they are also uh, sourced in Abu Dazara. So again, no founder, no real religion, just sort of made stuff up, did what everybody else did. No real foundation uh, towards it. Let's speak about the indigenous, uh, the, the primal indigenous uh, religions. Uh, these are tribal or folk, folk religions. These you're dealing between 100 to, four, to close to 500 million people follow this. So you're talking about the African uh, uh, religions that don't follow Christianity or Islam. They are, it's a very big mix uh, between shamanism, paganism. It's sort of like every village would worship a different god. But they sort of just combined all these together because these are these these particular religions the indigenous religions are religions that they they're they're pre you know textual they don't have any written there's nothing written about them it's just like you know my papa told me you know do this and that's what they and that's what they do they worship um they're they're henothenistic which means is that they worship one god while acknowledging many other gods which we said already in the beginning is a hundred percent abu dazara they also worship ancestors over there, which you can see how heavenly people worship, how heavenly, not heavenly, how heavenly people worship um, ancestors in the, you know, in these, in these pagan and pagan religions. There is no founder for this religion. These are thousands and thousands of different religions bound together, and every religion, you know, would, would worship a different, uh, you know, a different, you know, idea on it. So there's no text, there's no divine revelation, there's absolutely no proof that they could give you that this is a divine religion. They, um, they, they very, you know, this is a little bit different than the Chinese um, way that they worship the spirits. Is um, they, uh, they also the Chinese also do this. They bring themselves into a state of trance. So I'm sure some of you heard it. You know, they do like these tr- they, they drums and they chants and they walk around. For example, one of them is the Native American. They fall into these type of, of, of type of religions. You're talking about African tribal things. You know, kumbale, dumbrebrum. You know, all those people that sing around the fire have like pieces of stuff in there hanging in their mouth. You know, those have so they, they worship these type of, of thing. Now, some some of them they have to get into a trance to communicate, like shamans, to communicate with the next day. So some of them uh, will do through singing, through chanting, through fasting, through dancing. Other people use chemicals. Um, for example the Native Americans use the peyote. I don't know if you guys are familiar the peyote, okay, whatever. Um, the um, and they and they get into this other other realm, and they're able to communicate with the spirits. Once they communicate with the spirits, they can relate to you what's going on in the other in the other world. Um, and this is also part of voodoo religion. Voodoo religion, first of all, is completely misunderstood. When people say voodoo religion, you think about the dolls. That has very, very little to do with actually the dolls. Voodoo religion, for example, is common in Haiti. Um, it's also Louisiana, Louisiana also has, uh, you know, very heavily on, on these voodoo religions. The voodoo religion, the actual voodoo dolls, they come from European folk magic. They were, it doesn't come from actually African traditions. They actually are really, if you look at history, they're not sure where it comes from. They're not, but they were, they used to make dolls and they used to be witches. So they used to try to 
take these dolls made out of rags and pierce them with pins in order to, have, to harm the witches so that they prevent them from doing it. And that's where it came to it. The reason why some people say that it ended up being into these like African, besides all the movies and, and the, the ideas that this is what they presented, is that these, are like for example, Haitian voodoo, they nail puppets to trees and graveyards. So they sort of got the connections between them, but they actually have very little to do uh, with it. Not to say that they don't practice it. They actually do practice it. I remember speaking with somebody, I think it was from Haiti, they said that very heavily they practice these type of stuff. They, they, they actually do, which in general, if you're walking next to somebody and be like, oh, excuse me for a second, and it plucks out your hair, be like, oh, you know, you had something in your hair. And then they like take it and they like walk away with the hair. I don't know what to tell you to do, but start praying. <laughs> you know? Some of them, it's black magic. Um, they would take these, uh, you know, the way that they interact is that they would sing songs, these, uh, these priests, and they... And they claim, how do, the, the songs is the way that they interact with the spiritual world. So how do they get these songs? If they got it from a dream or some sort of prophet, then you know it's a, it's a divine, you know, according. But how do you know that? You don't know. They claim, yeah, I had a dream last night. They had a good, you know, a, you know, a good song, and then they sing this song. Or if they get into a trance. They get into a trance and say, hey, listen, write notes. I'm getting a trance. I'm getting a message from the next world. You know, I'm getting some signals right now. I'm not wearing my tin hats. I'm getting the signals. And, and they start signaling these things, and they write it down so that that gets, that's how, they, that's how the religion grew by basically people who hear voices and hear things, and this is how they, the, the religion came into being. They also sacrifice pigs, goats, chickens, bulls, other wonderful creations. Um, they, uh, they claim, especially the, the Haitian voodoo, they claim that God is too distant. We cannot associate with God, but if we worship these spirits, we would be able to go and we'd be able to con- connect with, uh, with this type of, of gods. And these shamans, they, they take steps on, they, they talk to animals, um, they're known as medicine men, they do fortune telling, um, they carve out images in, in, in things and they believe that this is possessed by spirits. Uh, they also have omens. And this is going to surprise you. If let's say a black cat walks in front of you, um, it's bad luck. So they also believe in that. Um, does it originate there? Very, very likely that this is where it originated from. But these are things that we spoke about earlier. The Rambam uh, brings down these are forbidden to the, the, the black cat, cat can start doing hopscotch in front of you or whatever those things are called where the people, you know, is that hopscotch? Okay, so um, it doesn't mean anything. All right, let the black cat and be like, oh my God. I had a guy, came to class one time, Russian guy. He's like, he's like, white. He's like, he's like, I had a, it was a, it was a black cat. I'm like, did the black cat have green eyes? And he's like, yes, it did have green eyes. I'm like, it means nothing. He's like, are you, how do you know? I'm like, how do you know it means nothing? And uh, my mommy told me, I don't know. Like, you know, like, can mommy keep Shabbos? Uh, all right. So, um, the, anyways, the, um, they also have, you know, sacred people. And this is where they actually have witches. You know, they communicate with the dead, they do all these things. But in any case, all in all, first of all, all in all, people that, that follow these things, this is completely from the evil side. If, first of all, most of it is nonsense. But even if you do get something, someone real in this thing, it's completely from the evil side, and it completely brings bad luck, bad everything. You stay far away as possible from these religions. But... Again, these religions, again, have nothing of, of no formality, no, no, no sort of divinity attached to them. Well, I want to finish with the final religion, and that is spiritism. Anybody here familiar with that, spiritism? It's a very fairly new one. It's a new, one, new, one. new one to the market. Um, you have between 11 to 20 million people that follow this thing. This was codified in the 19th century by a French educator, Hippolyte Léon de Nizard de Villard. Um, that's his name. But, of course, with a name like that, he had to have a code name. And he had. His code name was Alan Kardec. That was his code name. 
Um, and he introduced this religion of spiritism. Spiritism or spiritualism is a religion that you, again, contact with the spirits. This is, uh, you know, these mediums, and he would have seances, and he would have these contacts uh, with the spirits. There were good spirits or bad spirits. You have to stay away from the bad spirits, attach yourself to the good spirits, so on and so forth. But it's interesting in how it became big. It became big, so in 1848... Um, there was a there was a you know John Fox and his wife and his six children. They move into a new home, and um, two daughters, Maggie and Kate. In case you were interested, um, they felt that there was another spirit in the house, and they were able to start communicating with the spirit through either clapping their hands, snapping their fingers, or listening some sort of clicking or sounds. And they were able to go and and communicate with this. And they claimed that there was a peddler is a spirit, is a peddler, who was murdered and his remains were, were you know, was murdered in the house. And it's like a haunted house, for example, yeah. And later they found some skeletons in the house of this, of this peddler. You know, um, who are you going to call? Uh, so, so um, the, the spirit world or the spiritualism, this, this started, you know, traveling, it's like became big news, like they're connecting the spirit. So it actually, the spirit, the spiritism actually grew from this story. It was an, explo- especially in the U.S., it grew tremendously. However, they carried out some tests in 1851, and they found out that the girls were deliberately producing the knocking noising themselves. They weren't communicating, they were communicating, they were just making it all up. In 1888, the Fox girls, they, they, they came out and it says, we made, we faked the whole thing. It's all fake. Um, and they said, we were, we were, the way that they did it is they had toe joints that they were producing the clicking sound. So they're making one clicking sound and they made sounds with their toes. And they said, oh, you see, they're, they're, they're connecting with us. Mm-hmm. However, then, you know, Margaret Fox, one of the daughters, um, she said, you know, she recanted on the confession, says, no, the, the confession was a deception. Really, it's true. So she uh, went back on that. Who are you going to figure it out now? Um, when I went back on that, uh, you know, that. But uh, by far, the, one of the most influential mediums of that time was by the person by the name of Daniel Douglas Holm. He was a person who was able to um, levitate about 70 feet from, he levitated from his window 70 feet above, above ground. And then he went back into his, uh, to his bedroom, uh, bedroom window. Um, this also obviously produced this, uh, this religion even, even further. And what even made this credibility of this religion even further, further was the support of somebody by the name of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Anybody know who that was? Wasn't that, um, yeah. Sherlock Holmes, very good. Yeah, he's the author, the creator of Sherlock Holmes. So that even, that produced this, uh, that produced this, this religion even, even further. Um, but what it's very, very commonly understood, first of all, Judaism believes in all these things. Uh, that there's a spirit, so you can contact with the spirits, you're not allowed to do it. We believe in that, there's ways to do that, you're not allowed to do that. That doesn't mean that the religion is true. That doesn't mean that the religion is true. It's like saying, our religion believes that the sun is hot. The sun is hot, it must be the religion is true. Like, it has no, it, there's no validation towards this religion. In fact, this religion doesn't even claim like, I had a divine, it's, it's basically, and in fact, the spiritism, the spiritualism, they themselves say that it's not really a religion. But yeah, you have 11 to 20 million people that are following this, uh, this religion. Um, they, the idea is, they, they're very also, there's like the golden rule, which they stole from Christianity, which stole from Judaism, uh, which is don't do to others what you don't want to do unto yourself. Uh, they, but they also claim that any prophecy, they say all prophecy from all these texts, from sacred texts, are all divine. But how do they get it? They got it through mediums. These are all connections through spirits. That's how they claim it. Um, they also claim that there's no universal code of beliefs in spiritism because it's too diverse to have. I don't even understand, even begin to where I can rip that part in so many different ways. But it's like saying, like, life is too difficult, so, like, I can't tell you what to do. Okay, you know, thanks, religion. You know, good job. The, 
they, they basically claim, like, just do whatever is common in all religions and be a good person. That's literally what the, the doctrine uh, claims. So what is their service? They have these special meetings, and they have these seances. Seances, we know we're not allowed to have. Far, I have to stay far, far away from these things. A very, very, very big issue. Besides the fact that you could get very, 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 very much harmed by these, uh, by these types of things. So what they do is they have this medium, and they uh, link into the next world. And the, there's two ways to, to link it. Either through a mental, uh, spiritual, uh, into a men, uh, mental medium or a physical medium. A mental medium is somebody who could see spirits, hear spirits, or feel spirits. A physical medium is some like a possession. Like the medium is like, oh, I am a medium, and the medium is, you know, I'm a spirit, and the spirit's finally starts speaking like through the spirit. Uh, that's basically their, their ideas and their worship. Uh, holy books, don't gotten any, don't need any, we don't need any of that. Uh, that's uh, totally cool with them. They actually believe uh, very heavily in Christianity, in, uh, you know, in uh, JC. They, um, the Gospels are studied, but in fact, the Catholic Church calls them, you know, a bunch of fakers. Uh, they say, why? Because many cases were shown and proven to be fake. But they claim back, just because there were some fake ones, doesn't mean that there are any real ones. True. Yeah, it doesn't mean you're true, it doesn't mean that you're fake. The Catholic Church, though, warns, uh, not that we care what the Catholic Church says, but the Catholic Church, which stems from this religion, they claim, uh, they, they claim they're faithful to be against it. But they say that J.C. was actually a medium. He wasn't a son of God. They don't claim anything like that. His miraculous conception was all a fabulous tale. They claim that just J.C. was a good medium. There's no reason, according to this religion, no resurrection, no genom, no, no heaven, nothing. It's just a spirit, spiritual. In general, it's not a religion. It's just whatever. It's just like a fun activity that they do, which is very, very problematic, and don't, don't do it. These things you have to stay very, very, very you know, far away from. This is very obviously a man-made religion, not a divine religion. They claim, I don't know if this is true or not, that the very, the, a lot of people that interacted with, with uh, these spirits, for example, Kaiser William, Wilhelm, uh, Joseph Stalin, Adolf Hitler, there's, like, there's actually documentation. Again, I don't know how. It's like they say that Hitler used to you know, consult a spirit uh, each night, but is it true or not? I don't know, and you know, frankly, I don't really care. Well, yeah, some of them say that also. They claim also many rock stars have, have packs with these types of things. It's very, very, very possible that they do. Uh, regardless of the fact, number one, this is all fake. Very, very obvious this is all fake. Number two, you have to stay very, very far away from these things. These things, if, if you get a real one, it's probably even worse than getting a fake one because these real ones are completely connected to the, to the evil side of things and they cause tremendous problems in your life. So you have to stay far away from both, both from the physical aspectation of it and the, and the spiritual manifestation of it. So, I think we got through a lot of religions today. All of it, very, very easily proven that are false. Any questions? Wait, so mediums aren't real? Oh, go ahead. No, go, go. I wrote down a lot of questions. So, yeah, go ahead. Um, what about the, like, burning sage? Yeah. That's what they do sometimes is that they, they write some text on it, and then they burn it for a good, good, uh, good uh, thing. People nowadays, they burn sage, but they don't write that in text. So it's still, it's like in, incense. It's incense. It's just, you should stay away from it. Yeah. If it was just for smell. For smell something else. Smell's fine. Yeah, this is like cleaning the energy. Yeah, don't deal with that. That's bad. Stay far away from that. You're putting impure energies in your house with these things. Levitation. Yeah. It really happens. You. It's black magic, or or other other forms of uh, possessions or things like that. Yeah, you have that also. You have some street artists that also do it. I don't know, David Blaine. I forgot his other people. 
Oh, the lie professor. And it worked. And it really worked. What did you do? No, wait, that's psychology. No, wait, that's psychology. Wait, you did it? You do the. And you do the. You did it, and you actually levitated. It's, it's all, you put two fingers underneath, and you go around, and you Hold say, on a second. Hold on a second. Oh, okay, no. <laughs> no, 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 I don't know. Wait, so you did something, and you let... You, you did it, and you levitated. You did something, and you levitated. You remember what you did? It's a psychology. I learned this. It's psychology. It's because you believe so much. You know when you believe... You can believe from today until tomorrow. It doesn't mean that you're going to be as... Yeah. I am. Um, your, your yeah. Your okay, I'm gonna speak to you about it afterwards of that, and I'll, there's definitely two about this. Like you said, you turned Were you on any chemicals? Okay. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. What's the next question? So some of these religions, they hear voices, they think it's. Some of it is actually real. Yeah. What is the difference? Between that and like our religion, where there's prophets and prophecy, and there are demons. Well, our religion, we're going to speak about Judaism and how different it all is. That's one of the reasons why I'm going through, going through all these religions. You'll see how different Judaism is. So, you, yeah, that's going to eventually, not next week, but hopefully the week afterwards, we're going to start on that. The, um, it's going to, we're going to speak about it very, very heavily on, no, it's mine, uh, very, very heavily on those, and you'll really see the difference in it. There's complete difference in, in these things. Okay. And yeah. last question. We're off the air, right? No. No, we're on air. You could ask it if you want. Okay, let me speak up a way to answer. So, um, people in some of these religions, they're worshipping ancestors, um, giving things to the great, talking to ancestors. How is that different than our religion, Judaism, and how people go to grave sites. Oh, excellent question. I completely, I meant to actually put that. So the question is, again, um, is if they're praying to their to their ancestors, but we also go to grave, grave sites and we pray to the grave sites. Very, very important. When you're going to a caver, when you're going to a grave, you never, ever, ever, ever pray to the person there. You never, ever pray. There's no, person doesn't have any power. You're praying in the merit of the person. Like the oil, like the Lubavitcher Rebbe, for example. You're not praying to the Rebbe, you're not doing anything. That so is like Abu Dazah. Writing a letter, you're writing a letter to pray to God. It's If you're writing a letter to that, it's a very big problem. You're not, you're not allowed to, that's, you cannot pray to the Rebbe, you cannot pray to anything. It's a very big problem if the people do that, but in general, you're not allowed to. I want, maybe one time we'll do a class on graves. You, you pray to God. So the idea behind this is, let's say, being in the in the area even of someone holy is a very big thing. It's yeah. a very big thing. That's why people, big rabbis in Israel, people just go just be near them because they have the, they have a holiness, the direct path to God. So you're going in the merit of the person, or you're asking the person to pray on your behalf. You're not praying to that person, but you're right. You're asking them. You're not really asking them. Okay. You're praying in the merit of the person. Right. You're not speaking like Hashem. Will you do this? It's just your right. Exactly. In, in exactly. The merit of that. Exactly. Okay. Never, ever, ever do we pray to people or or ancestors. Yeah, they're not. Well, they should not be praying to the you know to to the blessed They're praying to God in a holy place. Not everybody knows. You're right. You're right. You're right. They're not. Now they know. Whoever listens. Never ever ever ever. Yeah. You can't. We're not. Yeah. Any other questions? Question. Off camera. Any questions on camera? No questions on camera. Okay.
No, going once, going twice, sold. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.